Hey guys, I'm excited about today's episode, but before we introduce today's special guest, I want to tell you about some of the folks that help make this podcast possible. Our friends over at Sovereign Financial, Mike Cuckle and Will Hines are incredibly gifted at taking care of you and your investments. They both are good friends and I trust them with my family's future. They not only focus on your ROI, but they also do in-depth research and investigation so you can rest assured that you are investing in like-minded companies. They call it Biblically Responsible Investing. You can reach out to them at SovereignFIN.com. Again, that's SovereignFIN.com to make an appointment. And if you tell them you heard about this on the podcast, they will give you a free portfolio review and consultation. Also, our friends over at Guest and Brady Attorneys at Law. They provide highly educated legal assistance with personal injury cases and real estate closings. Thousands of clients have entrusted the caring professionals at Guest and Brady. Their family-oriented team will make you feel at home as you work together to navigate life's transitions and decisions. Guest and Brady attorneys are extremely knowledgeable in the field of personal injury, from car and motorcycle accidents to brain injuries, slip and fall, tractor-trailer accidents, workman's comp, and much more. You can also trust the experienced team at Guest and Brady to handle your real estate transactions and help make the closing process as smooth and efficient as possible. I can personally attest to that as my wife and I just refinanced her home recently and we closed with Guest and Brady. You can trust their dedicated staff in any of their four offices in Greenville, Spartanburg, Easley, and Traveler's Rest. You can find out more about all of the services they offer on their website at guestbrady.com. Again, that's guestbrady.com. Welcome to the I Say All That to Say This podcast, an outreach of Impact Sports International. We seek to use sports as a vehicle to take the gospel to the hard to reach, the lost, and the forgotten. Whether that is just 10 minutes down the road or on the other side of the world, here is your host, John Andrews. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Say All That to Say This podcast. I'm your host, John Andrews. We launched our first book back in November called Utterly Amazed, Stories from Outside the Boat. And the study guide to accompany our book is coming out later this month. With those two things, plus looking for direction for the podcast in 2022, I was looking for wisdom, and there's no better place to look than Psalms and Proverbs. So I was reading through both books uh, the first of this year, when I ran across David's words in Psalm 33, 2 and 3, it hit me, stopped me, and ended up being the source of this, uh, um, this series that we're doing. Psalm 33, 2 and 3 says this. David says, Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song of praise. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. Now, most of you listening don't play the harp, and you probably don't even know what a lyre is. But I don't think that's the point David was making. I think what David was really saying here is that we all have an instrument to play. But it's up to us to play our, our instrument skillfully. Now, I can't carry a tune in a bucket, but God did give me an instrument to play for his glory. And let, let me be very clear. He's given you one as well. It might actually be music. It could be sports. It could be business. It could be teaching or speaking. But David was saying here, whatever your instrument is, play it skillfully. And there's only one way to dis- develop skill, and that's through hard work. So we've been talking to people with all kinds of instruments, 
how they are honing their craft so they can play their instrument skillfully for God's honor and glory. And that brings me to our guest today. Ed Bias is the chief operating officer for a relatively new ministry called Tactical Evangelism. Welcome, Ed. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited for you to be here. Now, before we really dive in uh, to what you guys are doing with Tactical Evangelism, I want those listening to know that I just got back from a four-day training with them last week. We don't pick our guests at random, and we're very selective in regards to who we have on the podcast. I haven't known Ed very long. In fact, before the training, we just had one cup of coffee together uh, because of a mutual friend. However, after having gone through the training last week, I'm even more excited about having you on today because I've seen you guys in action. I've seen your heart, your uh, desire to use your skill set, your harp, if you will, to grow the kingdom. So uh, I wanted to thank you for being here. Uh, and I wanted to everyone else to know that I've experienced what Ed will be talking about this week, and I cannot endorse it any more fully than having been there myself. So, Ed, again, thanks for being here. Thank you, John. Appreciate the opportunity to share my story. So, tactical evangelism. It seems like an oxymoron to, sure. to someone who might be thinking because you think tactical, you think uh, intentional, maybe you think military, maybe you think... Uh, law enforcement, um, and then you think evangelism, and that's something that we should do because we love Jesus and Jesus loves people, so why don't we love all people and tactics don't match up with loving people? Explain what tactical evangelism is. So how this got formed, Greg Walker, our executive director, he was he was praying and kind of searching, and it brought him to the book of Acts. And he really looked back at Acts chapter 2 with Peter on how the church was started, and then Paul in chapter 17 of the book of Acts. And he really started looking at what is the gospel message in two of those, and how did they utilize their specific tactics to reach those that they were that they were ministering to. Mm. And so that's really what formed tactical evangelism. They were evangelists. They were, you know, reaching the, the 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. But what were their tactics? They were a little bit different on who their audience, whether to the Gentiles or to the Jews. And so he looked at that, and so he looks at how do we, with our skill sets from the military, use some of our tactics to reach the lost. Mm. So... Uh, and I think one of the one of the things, and I know that you guys brought this up last week, Paul and Peter both knew their audience. They knew the language they spoke. They knew the context in which they were speaking and used that. Um, and so in the settings that you guys are focused on with tactical evangelism, what are the contexts, what are the focuses, what are the things that you, you guys consider when you're working with, and we'll talk about who you're working with in a minute, but when you when you pick those that you train, um, what what specific tactics, what specific skill sets, what specific focuses are you guys working on with those those trainees? So the the first thing is we've got to get to know our audience, mm-hmm. what we would call our customer. Who's our customer? It's those missionaries that are coming to us, whether, you know, stateside or abroad, there's missionaries all over. And we've got to start developing relationships with them to understand where are they at, what are the barriers they're facing. Mm -hmm. So first we get to know who we're talking to and who we're ministering to. Then we take our our skill sets from the years of military service and years of deployment, and we start looking at how do we help them 
to solve complex problems. So our vision is to reach all nations, all people, through all barriers, and mm-hmm. we do that through equipping gospel-driven believers to reach the lost in difficult areas. So what we've got to do is we can't give you a specific solution for a specific problem necessarily because we're not there day in and day out with those serving on the front lines. But what we try to do is we give them our experiences and help them to start problem-solving, critically thinking in difficult situations. Hmm. The thing that struck me, well, there were a bunch, but the the first thing that struck me last week was uh, we got together late on Wednesday night, and we we had some time in the Word and some time to share uh, our hearts with each other and that kind of thing. And um, not everybody understands missions from a firsthand standpoint, a uh, first person viewpoint, and so it was good to be able to to be able to share experiences with those that had lived it. Um, but I remember you getting up and talking about, all right, we're going to get up at five o'clock the next morning. And I heard a few groans and we're going to go, we're going to go on a walk. And this was up in the mountains. And so walking was not necessarily the easiest thing to do. It wasn't like walking down the street. There were inclines, declines, and it was dark and cold. And you, and I thought, okay, this is just what the military does, right? We get up and we exercise and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, all right, well, I'm with military guys. That's what we're going to do. Uh, but you had a purpose with that. Um, and you went through a whole pre-op plan the night before of us getting up and going for a walk. And I thought, we're, we're just going for a walk, right? And um, you went through the, taxi- the tactics behind it and what we're seeking to accomplish. And what I saw you guys doing, even in something as simple as taking a walk, you guys were helping to get us to grasp our why. And I think that's so key with whatever we're doing is for us to understand our why. What's your why? What 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 are you guys wanting to accomplish with tactical tactical evangelism? So with what you just mentioned, John, the the whole point is how do we constantly strive to master the basics without ever thinking we've arrived? Hmm. How do we take the small things and treat them like the big things? So that when we get into a complex situation or a or a critical uh, scenario, we're able to fall back on the one thing, which is the gospel. And so we take these little items, such as a simple walk, and how do we do pre-mission planning on that? So when we start to develop our mindset to think through these small things, when we get into these bigger situations, it's already part of our vernacular. And so we went through, okay, we're going to go for a walk. What's the weather going to be? How do we dress? Mm -hmm. You know, what is the terrain? Well, we've got, you know, elevated terrain. We've got asphalt. We've got gravel. So what are the hazards with that? What about now it's dark? Some people haven't walked in the dark. And so we take all these little things. How do we plan for medical? Should somebody slip and fall, hurt themselves, twist an ankle? And so by showing you that we're looking at all of those, you know, items that could cause us to have mission failure, how do we do it in the small things so that, you know, as part of our daily life? Mm -hmm. And so that was the point of that exercise. And then we obviously got up and got to the one thing, which was our devotions around the fire pit. But I just want people to see how easy it is to forget in the small things how to do the basics very well. Mm -hmm. And when we miss those, that's what could lead us to getting into trouble. Complacency or a lack of plan leads to panic when something happens. Mm. You uh, you guys said something, or you said something a second second ago that I remembered you saying the first night and I wrote it down and it you said master the basics without ever having thought uh, let me say it again master the basics without ever thinking you've arrived um you, you don't ever want and I, I had this conversation with you and a couple of your train trainers the rest of the week but you never want to get to the point 
where you don't feel like you need to work on the fundamentals. And that's a that's a, a, a perfect sports metaphor too, right? Regardless of the level, regardless of how good you are um, or, or at what level you play, you still need to work on the fundamentals. And those that forget those are the ones that struggle at the next level. Um, and so that, that carries over to our arena, if you will. But it was such a fresh uh, perspective for me because I, I, I tend to take a lot for granted. We've done this for a long time, experienced. You know, we, we, uh, I, I just don't, we've never gone into the detail that you guys did, even with the walk. You know, and I mean, <laughs> I didn't say this last week, but I actually had to buy a pair of hiking boots before I went up there because I knew it was going to be nasty. It had been raining. It was probably going to be muddy, and my ultra boots weren't going to make it, right? And um, and so I actually had to purchase a pair of hiking boots on my way up to, just to give you a perspective of, of how out of my element I was. And But then I thought, it's just a walk, Right. And you spent so much time focusing on all the elements, all the fundamentals, all the basics, all the prep, that it was just a walk, and yet I still felt more prepared the next morning at 5.30 when we took off on that walk. And uh, as leaders, and again, forget the arena. As leaders, I think that's important for um, you know for those we're leading to constantly put the why in front of them, constantly prepare them so that they are, they're more equipped to do their job and to be prepared. I think you said when, when, uh, when chaos or tragedy, I can't remember the word you used, arrives, we have a plan. Right. And I think, and I think we saw that, you know, we had a diverse group. We had missionaries from all over the world. We have some that are going into country and out of country, some that are staying, but when they arrived, not everybody had hiking boots, right? Not everybody had a light. Not everybody had cold weather or wet weather gear. Mm -hmm. And so I had to be able to look at the entire team and do we need to adjust mission? Can we still accomplish our mission? What is our purpose, key task, and end state? How do we get there? All right, say those, you run through those things because they're the fundamentals for you, but say those a little bit slower and explain those for me real quick. So anytime I'm going to do any mission, why am I doing it? And what does mission success look like? Hmm. So why am I doing it? That's my purpose of doing the mission, whatever it is, you know, whether you're going in uh, on a sports missions trip or whether you're going to dig a well or whether you're just going to a village to spread the gospel. um, What is my mission and define what mission success? Mm. Because if we don't, you know, if we aim for nothing, we'll hit nothing every time. Right. So rather than, you know, shooting at an empty net or an empty goal, let's aim for the, the backboard or let's mm. aim for the front of the, you know, for your, for your context in sports. So for me, I've got to define what that mission is. And once I define it, I can say, okay, that's what mission success looks like. I know why I'm doing it. What is it going to take to get me there? And those are those key tasks. And so we define those key tasks and we start laying them out. It could be pre-mission planning prior to traveling into country. It could be phones. It could be, you know, linking up with a with a foreign partner or cross-cultural awareness. All these things could help lead to mission success. But if we don't define those parameters, it's hard to know how to get to where our, our success lies. And we saw that in the training. And, and you guys were, were pointing us in that direction from a mission standpoint. But what part of life... Uh, especially those of, those of you guys listening, what part of your professional life, what part of your your family life, what part of your relationships does that not fit, right? 
equipping and loving and leading those around you. Um, you know, defining success. I think uh, I think that's one of the things that that we as even we as Christians um, often fail at doing is defining success. And so, one of the reasons that we feel like we've never accomplished anything is because we've never really laid out anything to accomplish. And um, and you guys do a great job a great job with that. Now, the three things you just said, and end state was the last one. What were the first? What were those three things? So your purpose, purpose. That's my why. Right. Your key task. How do you how do you do or lay out what you need to accomplish your end state, which is your that's your goal, or what does mission success look like? That's that's what defines your end state. Guys, I hope you're writing this down. I am. <clears throat> this is good stuff. Um, t- give us a little history about tactical evangelism. How did you guys come to be? So tactical evangelism was founded in 2020 okay. um, during the height of the pandemic. Greg was praying and he said, you know, I, God, give me something that no pandemic, no plague, no financial crisis, nothing will stop the advance of the gospel. Mm. How do we, how do we look through these things and how do we, how do we still continue moving when people are quarantined and they're isolated? How do we still build relationships? Um, which is what it's going to take to, uh, to continue to advance the gospel. Sometimes it's relate a lot of it's relational. And so how do we do that when we're all wearing masks and we're isolated and yeah. quarantined? And so, so as he was praying, there was missionaries that were coming to him that he had known from years from working um, over in China and, and Honduras. And uh, they were looking for ways to solve some of these complex problems. And Greg was a former member of the military uh, with the 75th Ranger Regiment. And so he knew some people that had solved complex problems with their missions overseas. Sure. And God just aligned it to where all these people started reconnecting after years of not not really connecting. Hmm. And so that's kind of what started it. Um, they sat around a campfire in East Tennessee and just started talking through their issues. And it was really just a fireside yeah. um, you know, conversation. And as Greg started, he's like, you know, maybe God's want me to do something more here. Hmm. He was a pastor of a church in East Tennessee, and and I'd met him here in Greenville on a networking event, and uh, and and I saw that he was doing something, and, and my heart was stirring as well. You know, during the pandemic, I was a financial advisor, and I had so many people call me when the market, you know, took a downturn at thirty four percent, and said, "Hey Ed, how's our plan going? Right. What's my plan? What's my future look like now?" And there's a lot of worry and a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. And, and I was able to kind of help navigate them through, obviously, you know, the next two months we had a, you know, over 40% increase in the market. So everybody's okay now. Mm -hmm. But as we take these turns in life, um, where's our hope, where's Mm -hmm. our identity, where's our security found? And so I just had, I was wrestling with all these questions, you know, and, and I even struggled getting out of the military. Where's my mission now? Where's my purpose? Mm -hmm. What's my identity? Um, unfortunately I went through a divorce. Um, I went through a career change. I retired after 21 years in the army. Um, so I struggled, you know, being in a new town without family, without friends, uh, what's it going to look like, God, what is, what is my identity? What's my purpose? And he always brought me back to my identities in Christ. And that's never going to leave me. Mm. Um, you can be a father, you can be a husband, things happen, your, your career, that that's a part of your story, but it's not your story. And so as I started praying about this, God was really putting on my heart, what's your eternal focus, Ed? Is it that assets under management? Is it that career? Is it that, is it your kids? Is mm. it your marriage? What is your focus? Mm. And as I started with that eternal uh, focus, it's like, okay, what can I do to get back in on an eternal eternal focus? So I started talking with Greg and uh, was like, okay, what are you doing here? And he explained to me and I said, well, 
what do you need? He said, well, I need somebody to run this day to day. And I said, well, I had a long history in the military of doing uh, as, a, as a helicopter pilot. Um, and then that led me into being a safety officer and a liaison officer and then doing some other things. And so I, I couldn't really understand why God had put me on the path over my 21 years because each job looked a little different. And I came out of uh, flying in 2014, about four years before I re- fully retired mm. and didn't know why. And then it all kind of started mm. coming together that, hey, those skill sets that God was, you know, those jobs that God was putting me in were leading me to be equipped for what I needed to do in tactical evangelism. Uh, even the financial aspect, you know, that taught me how to build a network and how to build relationships with people, how to help them through difficult situations when the market's up and down. And so Greg had talked to me and uh, we tried to do bivocationally mm-hmm. and uh, kind of the tent maker, you yeah. know, like Paul did. And my heart was just 100% in tactical evangelism. Uh, One of our missionaries that we had served had come to us needing a helicopter in Honduras, and that was July of 2021. Mm -hmm. And there was a girl in the Talapan tribe who was a uh, paralytic, Mm -hmm. and they found a bed for her, and they couldn't get it there. And so through prayer and some answered, answered phone calls, we were able to get a helicopter from the Honduran Air Force to deliver that bed to her. Wow. And so that was kind of our, you know, reaching the one out yeah. of the 99 story and yeah. the ripple effects of it was just like, all right, God, you're in this. And how do I get to be a part of this? And so my my wife is super supportive. We prayed about it. We fasted. I reached out to mentors. It was a long journey. Yeah. But we finally, in August of 2021, decided to, to go all in. Wow. And that's what led me to tactical. Wow. You guys have. So this past week was the second training that you guys have done is that right yes second official yep uh training class that's correct so kind of walk us through and i know it's still a work in progress and you're still trying to figure some things out and you were adjusting in midweek and and we've talked since then and you're making adjustments for the next training but but what is the what is the purpose for the training and what are your what are the key points that you guys want to cover sure the the purpose is to equip those gospel-driven believers reaching the lost in difficult areas. So difficult areas, we had one missionary at this uh, training. He reaches Muslims in the mosque where they're at here in the States. You know, God is bringing us the the mission field right to our own back doors. Through pandemic plays, through the refugee crisis, we're getting Afghan refugees, Syrian refugees, and they need to know Jesus. And so he's bringing them right here. So we're taking, and then we had other missionaries that are serving overseas. Mm -hmm. And so as we look at those, how do we give them a a basics? How do we help them master the basics without ever thinking they've arrived? Mm. Sometimes it's just, you know, the the enemy gets a vote and the threats evolve. And so how do we help them? Well, we've got to start with the fundamentals. And so that's what we did this past week was what we call the essentials. Um, anybody that joins the military has got to go through basic training. They've right. got to learn how to shoot, you know, breathe, relax, aim, squeeze on iron sights before they ever get into a sniper course. Mm. You know, a helicopter pilot needs to learn to hover before he can ever land on a rooftop. Um, so we start with the fundamentals. Regardless of how long you've been on the mission field, there's always there's always need to go back to the fundamentals. Mm. But we never want to forget our one thing, which is you know, Jesus Christ, right. the gospel. So even the, you know, the, the toughest of missionaries, those that have been serving a long time, we always get back to the fundamentals so we don't forget the one thing. And then we take our experience from those that I've served with uh, within the special operations community. And, you know, I think some people look at special operations as the guy with the beard, with the gun, kicking <laughs> indoors, who's dirty, who's got, you know, yeah. who's just, you know, hardened and, and right. has seen all this war and combat. And that's, that's a, one aspect of it. 
But when we start looking at these guys, they do on any given day humanitarian relief, non-combatant evacuations. They do intel gathering. They do um, foreign internal defense. So there's so many different roles that these guys play mm-hmm. out on the battlefield. But yet when you look at their teams, they're made up of 12. Mm. Jesus had his 12 disciples. Yeah. And he sent them out into the world. So how do we take a, a group of 12 or something very similar that understands cross-cultural, mm. understands how to solve complex problems, and then we've developed what, like I said, we call the essentials, yeah. which is we start with the gospel. We get into, as you mentioned earlier, our pre-mission planning. And what does that look like? How do we develop a systematic approach to every mission we're going to go on with not only ourselves, but our team as well? Because as leaders, we're responsible for those that we bring in. We're responsible for those that we're sharing the gospel with. And how do we take ownership of that? Then we get into some medical. We get into communications, identity management, digital awareness. Uh, we get into some... How do we prepare to go to the mission field? How do we survive on the mission field? And how do we plan for those contingencies that we may face on the mission field? And so we go through a, you know, a couple day course of all that to where we're not only equipping you physically, but also mentally as well. Um, We do a little bit of walking in the morning like we did. Um, Some that's uh, more of their more of their gift than others. <laughs> and so and it's not to make anybody a marathon runner. It's right. just a, what are your limitations? What are things that you just need to know about yourself? How mm-hmm. do you stretch yourself by either getting up a little early in the morning? Maybe it's a walk. Maybe it's staying up late at night. So we've all got our strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. but we're all part of the body. So how do we kind of hone those skills through a uh, three-day training event? Well, the, one of the things that you guys, uh, or that I, I gleaned from you guys, is finding purpose in everything. Uh, so I mentioned the, 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 the walk the first couple mornings, and then, we had the big one, the hike up the mountain, uh, the last morning that I was there and that was hard, you know, and I, I stay in pretty good shape and, um, and I work at it, but that, that was hard. And so I'm thinking maybe I need to work harder in the gym, in the weight room, whatever it is, uh, after that, you know, getting up to the top and just being, being spent. But then I started, you guys do a great job pointing out, Hey, what, where are your weaknesses? Um, don't let them remain weaknesses, but even in your weakness, keep pushing through. And, um, and so some, some were, uh, better equipped, uh, for walking. Some were better equipped, equipped for, we did some cyber, you know, security training and stuff like that. And some guys were above, above average. And then some were, (laughs) were well below average, but they, they, either didn't see the need for it or never used it. And so again, you're opening their eyes, but whatever it is, you guys are, you're, you're, you're hitting those above the, the average line and those below and saying, we all still haven't arrived. You've said that several times. And so where we fall short, let's look at that and try to try to mitigate was a word you guys kept using mitigate the ways that we could, we could fail mitigate the ways that we could get in trouble, mitigate the ways that the enemy, and we know that our enemy, whether he's carrying a gun or not, uh, our enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. And so how do we plan to to fight our enemy in whatever context we're in? And, and I think, you know, one of the things you mentioned is, you know, how do we mitigate? We're not going to eliminate everything. Sure. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be pain. There's going to be things that we face that we can't train for. There's so many schools I went through in the military that 
didn't necessarily get into that same situation, thank the Lord. Mm-hmm. However, when I did get into a tough situation, is it something I could look back on? Even with the the kids and the young adults that were going through the, the course, something as simple as fire starting without a lighter. Mm-hmm. You know, that showed them how to solve a complex problem, how to think. And now they, they've got confidence that they could do something that they weren't able to do before. For right. some of those, it was climbing the mountain. Yeah. For some of those, it was waking up at five. Yeah. Um, and now when they get into a hard spot, ideally they can look back at this training and say, you know what? I didn't think I could climb a mountain, but I did. Mm. And so because I was able to, God was able to use me and overcome that, he's able to meet me right where I'm at now and help me overcome this barrier that I'm facing. Mm. And that barrier can be very different for all of us. Absolutely. And I think that's 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 what you guys kept pointing out because there are people listening that um, have never been in the military. There are people listening that have never been on the mission field or even on a mission trip. And this is not a foreign concept. Um, we all face barriers every day in our daily walk. And I think that's what you guys did a beautiful job with um, opening our eyes to, hey, even if you're doing a, a pretty good job, could you do better? Uh, even if you're not focused on this, this may still happen. So what what do you do if it does? And uh, and even to uh, for for us personally, a lot of the things that you were uh, you guys were saying that we need to prepare pre trip pre mission planning. You kept talking about uh, prepare our people for. The thing that struck me is uh, we have we have shared with them how to what to say in certain situations. If they're stopped by government officials or they're stopped by somebody else, what do you say when asked this? Because working in restricted settings, you can't just say, yeah, we're here to share Jesus and go grab all your friends that have guns and badges and bring them over too. Um, But you guys did a great job, no matter the situation, um, showing us and, and there were different contexts in the room. There were guys in, there were families in country. There were singles in country. There were uh, people in dangerous places, people in places that weren't so dangerous, people in places in restricted settings. The government had decided that there was a restriction there. Uh, others had uh, gangs that they had to face. Um, but all of those, whatever it looks like, and again, let's, let's drill down to the people listening, what our day-to-day looks like. Our boss, our family, our, our, our jobs, our encounters with others, um, all of those are opportunities to push through some barrier, like you said earlier, uh, being able to face, an, face a situation and be prepared to encounter it. Yeah, I mean, I, I practice what I preach. I use this right at home with our six kids. Hmm. You know, me and my wife, we've got 21 down to 11. Wow. And that's my mission field. Yeah. And uh, there's barriers every day. But that in-state, that, that mission goal that I talked about is that they're eternally saved. Hmm. And so every day you get up, you pray for them, you know, you, you're reading, you're drawing closer to God, and then you're sharing with them hmm. and guiding them along the way. But if, you know, if I fail there, yeah, everything else starts in the home. Hmm. So uh, there were six or seven trainers there last weekend. Um, how do you, but there are more than that that have retired from special forces and that sort of thing. So uh, how do you guys choose who your trainers are? So 
kind of starting out, we uh, we went out and did some recruiting dinners mm-hmm. and, and talk about what we're doing. Um, I just can't tell you enough how much God is doing within the special operations community. Mm. There, there's a revival going on that it's almost God has been building up this army over wow. 20 years of the global war on terrorism, that you've got guys with unique skill sets um, that are still engaged. But the, the beautiful part of it is God is using them to equip those on the front lines. And so he's we haven't lost our tribe. We haven't lost our purpose and our identity. It's just it looks like a different uniform. And how mm. do we continue on? So the guys, the the byproduct of this is the guys from the special operations community are just really uh, uplifted that there's still a mission for them mm. because we get out and it's like, okay, what happened? Right. You know, this fast moving train just stopped, and now we're just kind of, you know, it, the, the three things they talk about in transition. You can get a job. You can build your own business or you go to college. Those mm. are kind of your three options, but they don't really talk about the emotional side of it. Right. What does it mean to stop deploying, to stop going overseas, to stop serving? And that's what it feels like. Um, so as we go around, we talk about a lot of that identity. We're looking for those gospel-driven believers from the special operations community, and we're building a network of team. Most of our trainers are volunteers, mm-hmm. and uh, they're all bivocational, and so they're doing other jobs. And so we build out a team of you know medics, communications specialists, um, um, intelligence specialist that can come in. And so we look for those guys that are willing to serve and willing to give back and who are gospel driven. Hmm. Um, it's, they're all believers and they've all served within the community. I felt like I was drinking out of a fire hydrant all week, uh, because I was so out of my element in a lot of ways. Uh, I never served. Um, and, uh, you guys are, talking to each other and you're throwing out your acronyms and your three three and four letter abbreviations and that kind of thing and and I'm, I, I just I feel like you are talking a different language and I feel lost um, but you guys um, I, I was able to, to, to talk with you and your trainers right before I left and and the one thing I wanted them to hear um, and you know, they're, they're just now maybe getting started in this ministry and I'm excited about what God's going to do, um, in and through tactical evangelism, both for the trainers, but also the trainees. I told them they're never going to be able to see all the results of your ministry, all the results of the work they're putting in, because in a lot of ways they're equipping others to go do the work which is i'm sure and i i've encountered this since since COVID because we've not been able to travel very much i've i've had trouble not being on the front lines right we've only been able to do one trip since quarantine um we've had some others you know canceled that we plan to cancel but we were only overseas we've only been overseas once and i have struggled from not being on the front lines and so i know that uh for for a lot of the the special ops community that have that's been who they were for however long six years 10 years 25 years that's who they were that's their identity you kept saying that and to to a certain degree even with this training last week they're not on the front lines and they're never going to see all of the fruit of their labor and i wanted to encourage them in that because we we've encountered that right not being able to see all the fruit of our labor and and it's not easy. Uh, there are times when you don't see fruit. Do you wonder, do I keep going? Should I keep going on and on? Uh, and I just, I wanted to encourage them in that. But at the same time, understand that's how, that's how, how the kingdom works, right? You said a second ago, uh, 12 operators. 
Uh, Jesus had 12 disciples. And the work that is being done in the church, the big C church today, stems from Jesus and those 12. And uh, took 12 ordinary guys and, and flipped the world, world upside down, you know. And so let me encourage you again um, that w- what you guys are doing is making a difference. Just be aware that you may never see that difference. And that, that's where faith comes in, you know. Um, seeing God at work uh, is an awesome thing. Trusting that God's at work, that's, that's a little bit different. Right, it's not as not as fun, not as encouraging, not as wowing um, as maybe seeing him at work. Um, but but you guys are making a difference, and I think it's okay to get discouraged. I mean, the Israelites got discouraged sure. in the wilderness for forty years, you know, and they started looking back. Um, and he doesn't say if you see the harvest, then go. It's just go. And so I think in your book, you mentioned that sometimes we don't even get to put the seeds in the ground. Right. Sometimes it's just tilling the soil. Hmm. And sometimes with a country like Haiti, the soil's blowing all over the place. That's it's right. like, man, I just put something down and now it's blowing away. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it doesn't matter. We just got to trust and, and do what God's equipped us to do and let him and hmm. realize that he reigns yep. and, and be okay with that. And just, I will tell you though, it's been so, such an encouragement to, to be a part of this and to be back on the mission field, regardless of where it is, mm-hmm. um, that there is fruit. When I see those kids at the end, just giving us a hug saying, you know, thank you. Yeah. Um, when I can see the missionaries feeling more confident about where they're going. So it may not look like the harvest that we're expecting. Um, but there is one there. Yeah. I think you just got to pray and seek that God, you know, take the scales off of my eyes. What is it you want me to see from this, mm. from this training event? What is it that you want me to, uh, learn from this experience. And when we do that, I think sometimes, you know, you may just see the evenly lined rows, mm. you know, that there's nothing there, but that's okay. I can be okay with that, knowing there's something in the ground. Mm. You guys are a nonprofit. We are. Right. And so, therefore, you have to raise your support. Um, and, of course, being in a room with missionaries and, and ministers like yourself uh, last week, raising support came up uh, several times. And, um, the person who enjoys that aspect of their job are few and far between. Um, so let's just dream for a minute. I know you guys are in the fundraising. Um, you are having to do a lot of fundraising, especially getting started. Uh, you have plans for the near future and then plans on down the road. So let's just dream for a minute and say your funding is there. It's taken care of. God's put people in your path to take care of things financially. What does tactical evangelism look like? If the funding is there, uh, the first thing is to have a spot that, that missionaries can come back and rest and recover. Hmm. Um, the stories that we get from these missionaries on what they're facing, seeing their brokenness, seeing their fact that they feel alone, that nobody understands what they're going through, or they just want to hear that really intense story of how bad is it? Right. You know? And it's like they're living this. It's not a it's not a movie, it's not a show. It's, it's something that their real life hurt, pain, suffering, uh, not only for them, but their spouses, their kids. Um, so how do we allow them to come back and recover and be around those that have experienced similar situations that they can just recover, however long it takes? And then from there, how do we train and equip them to go back? Um, and so having a place of, uh, of retreat and then building them up 
with equipping them on the essentials again and then the equipping and then the experience. And so having a facility with full-time staff, full-time trainers that we're able to love on them, not only spiritually, physically, um, but emotionally as well. Mm-hmm. And then once they get recovered, now we bring them in, we train them and equip them and build them up so they're ready to go back to the front lines. Mm-hmm. Um, because, the, you know, we don't have a left or right issue. Uh, we don't have a black or white issue or vax or unvax. We've yeah. got a heart issue throughout yeah. the world. And we just see that all over the globe. And the only thing that's going to change that is Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. our missionaries have got to go. Um, and we want to be a, an organization that, they're, that is there to equip them and mm-hmm. send them, but send them in a healthy way mm-hmm. um, so that they're ready to face some of those barriers again. I immediately thought uh, about our guys that go with us and guys and girls. Uh, some of the places we go are hard. Some people go with us for the very first time. They've never experienced uh, any kind of mission project. Um, they are, they've never been overseas. They've never been to prison. Um, and so they are encountering this for the first time. I, I always uh, find it exciting when someone is getting on a plane for the first time and they're flying 15 hours. <laughs> it's like their first plane ride, and oh yeah, by the way, you're going to be here for 15 hours. But regardless of where they go, they're encountering things that maybe they never have. But when we can equip them for those encounters, they're just that much more effective. When we can place them in a place where they are comfortable, you know, I think about walking through prison and all the security and and all you know having to dispel all the movies that you've seen in the past and what could happen and then you get through this crowd of inmates and there you see the softball field in front of you or the volleyball uh court or the basketball court and like okay i know what to do here you know you've you've traveled across the globe and you're facing culture shock and and your your sleep schedule is way off and you're exhausted but you walk into the gym okay i know what to do here and there's an equipping for people, but also putting people in in a place where they can best use their skill, best use their experience. And you're doing that for your trainers now uh, because they are, they are equipping the missionaries and making them more effective on the field. But you guys are giving your trainers an opportunity to... Um, to use, to be in that sweet spot, if you will. When we talk about that in sports, when you hit the spot on a bat and it's it's where the bat was designed, or the golf club, I don't hit that spot very often, but, uh, but you hit a, a golf club or, or a bat and you hit it in the sweet spot, you don't feel it, and you have maximum velocity off of that because that's what that instrument was designed to do. And you see that in some of your trainers. They're... they're they get out. What do I do with all this that I've, all all that I've had, uh, all I've been taught? This toolbox that I have. What do I do with it? And you're giving them a place to use that, and watching and seeing them come alive is a pretty cool thing. And we've got some trainers that you know they excel in the classroom through PowerPoint through lecture method. Right. We have most that don't. Yeah. They want to be outside under a poncho and and you know living in the woods and and teaching guys how to do those skills. Right. So, but I think with any unknown, there's, there's a level of anxiety. And so that's where we're trying to get these people, you know, the, those that we train, how do we take them out of their element a little bit? So, Hey, wait, I did do something that wasn't 
you know, completely normal to me or that is not a part of my everyday life, whether it's getting up at five, whether it's walking in the dark, you know, just utilizing what God gave us, kind of take them out of their element a little bit. So mm-hmm. when they have that 15 hour plane ride that, wait, I've already been to some other place that I knew was unknown. Right. And so how do I calm down the nerves a little bit? And like you said, as soon as they see the basketball court or the, the softball field, it's like, okay, this looks familiar. Yeah. But I don't care how many times you do it, how many times you go back to combat, it gets... It, there's less unknowns, but mm-hmm. there's always those unknowns that, you know, it's still tough. Sure. And uh, so how do we face those? Hmm. All right. So you talked about if funding was not an obstacle, if money was no object, uh, these are the things you want to do. Funding is an obstacle, right? We do, You do have to raise support. And so you guys have something coming up pretty soon called Project 33. Tell us about that real quick. We do. So I was a runner in the military, and uh, since getting out— um, haven't put in the miles that I used to, but I was running one morning and, and I typically early mornings, it's dark and I was praying and I just got done reading a book by Nate Bramson. Uh, what if Jesus meant what he said? Huh. And in there, he talks about the number 33. Uh, you know, Jesus was on this earth 33 years. Right. If we discipled one person a year for 33 years, everybody on the, on the globe will have heard the name of Jesus Christ. Wow. So I started thinking about it and where are, where are Christians most persecuted in the 1040 window? We talk about that a lot. I yep. know you've, you visited the 1040 window with Impact Sports. And so I started praying about it and thinking about it. And there was a race coming up. It's a 50K, which is 31 miles. And I said, well, let's add two. Is this a foot race? It is a foot race. For 31, okay. So, right. so yeah, so I started thinking, you know, 33 miles. You know, I can do that. Yeah. Whatever you do, do it with all your uh, all your might, you know, as, a, yeah. as if unto the Lord. And so I said, well... Yeah, I started looking at the 33rd parallel, which is in that 1040 window, and it goes through Israel, it goes through Iraq, Iran, Syria, Jordan, mm. um, it goes through India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, China. There's four out of the top 10 countries for persecution. Mm. And so as we started looking at how can we raise money for those that we serve, our missionaries, uh, I put together this race. Um, it's going to take place on April the 9th uh, up in Marietta, South Carolina. It's a 31-mile race, so I'm going to add two to it uh, to give us a total of 33 miles. And uh, we're trying to raise over $30,000 to fully fund our next two training events for those that we serve that could be going to that 1040 window. Wow. So how, how do people fund the race? So you can go on our website, tacticalevangelism.org. Okay. Uh, under the Give tab, you'll see a little bit uh, about the race. Okay. And then you can give right there. That's awesome. I remember you telling me about this last week, and you <laughs> said the, the course was 31 point whatever miles. And you said, so I'll, just, I'll probably just want, run a two-mile warm-up. Uh, before I go, and I'm thinking, two miles might be my warm up, uh, race and cool down if I <laughs> had anything to do with it. Well, I won't uh, challenge you to sprint on the basketball court. I'll uh, tell you that. Fair but, but I can put in the distance. Fair enough. All right. All right. Last question. Uh, your journey has had uh, quite the twists and turns. You you've mentioned today that you started out as a helicopter pilot, um, and then you went into you you transitioned out of that and you were a safety officer and then what was the next thing before you retired i was a liaison liaison officer, officer. okay and then you uh, unfortunately went through a divorce you've gotten remarried you retired you've had a career change three different times in the last four or five years um so you've had a lot going on a lot of twists and turns so here's my question um what would you say to somebody who maybe knows what their instrument is right they know what their skill sets are uh they know what they have in their toolbox and they're walking with Jesus, and they're chasing after Jesus, and even asking Jesus, what do I do with this toolbox, right? What would you say to those people who just don't know how they're going to get to where God wants them? 
I think you mentioned it in your book, take the step. Hmm. You got to step out of the boat. Um, I was challenged by a mentor of mine um, as I was going through this process. He's like, man, you've got this skill set. You've got that skill set. You've been praying. You've been seeking. And it's almost like the Gideon where, hey, you know, make the fleece dry. Yeah. Make the fleece wet. Right. And it's like, hang on, how about one more thing, you know? <laughs> and it's like we're always, it's pretty clear when you're seeking after God and he reveals it to you. At what point do you just say, you know what, I need to take the step out of the boat? Hmm. And uh, and I think there are still some unknowns. It's, it's about trust. But are we striving or are we trusting hmm. our Heavenly Father? And I think that, and there's still going to be, you know, attacks along the way. Satan wants nothing more than for us to not do what God's asking us to do. Hmm. And so he's going to put those obstacles and those barriers in, in front of you. Um, and there's still a level of uncertainty, and that's okay. Right. But, uh, but knowing that I'm where God wants me right now brings a whole lot of peace. Hmm. But you've got to take that step, and you're not promised security. Yeah. Um, you're promised eternity, yeah. but not security. Wow. And that's okay. Promised eternity, but not necessarily security. It's a great line. Uh, another great line, Max Lucado once said, he made you on purpose for a purpose, which is what you're saying. And when it comes to your purpose, I want you to listen to Paul's words in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So I say all that to say this. God wants our very best. And he's equipped each one of us specifically for the task that he's put in front of us. Ed, thank you for what you're doing uh, with Tactical Evangelism. Thanks for being part of the podcast today. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. As a reminder, we will release these podcasts the first and third Tuesdays of every month. If you're brand new to the podcast, go back and check out episode one so you can learn a little bit more about Impact Sports, what we do, but more importantly, and we've talked about that today, why we do it. In another partnership with Impact Sports and in conjunction with our book and the study guide that will be released later this month, we are sending out weekly devotionals called Thoughts from Outside the Boat. If you'd like to sign up and get one of those weekly, you can go to utterlyamazed.com and you can sign up right there on the homepage. Please share this podcast with anyone you think may be interested and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also follow us on social media at Impact Sports INT on Instagram and Impact Sports International on Facebook. We will see you next time on I Say All That to Say This.